Hello and welcome to Cinephiles Radio. I'm your host, Steve Pisa. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today we have TJ Storm, martial artist, stuntman, stunt performer, actor. He's been around for a long time. Want to see what he's up to. How are you guys doing? Holding in there? So we're starting to open up since the pandemic first happened. The world is starting to open up now. All 50 states. How are you guys doing? Give us a call. 515-602-9609. There's no reason to keep you guys waiting. Let's bring TJ on right now. Let's give him a little bit of that clap track, huh? Here comes the clap track. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that clap track. Oh, yeah. If you could just walk in your room and always have that, wouldn't that be a great day? (laughs) That needs to be an app on my phone. What's got to (laughs) happen? How are you doing, my friend? Before we get started, you know, uh, how are you and your family doing during this uh, lockdown pandemic? Uh, you know, it's, it's a special situation. I, I am pretty chill on my own, but I worry more for my father. He is in a a place where they take care of him. He's older. And that is what I'm worried about. Uh, that kind of stuff kind of freaks me out. And that is, I think the, the fear for everybody. I don't think most people are afraid. The majority of us aren't afraid of perhaps getting sick. We are afraid of hurting the people that we love and that are close to us and that are vulnerable. So that's, that is the scary part. And, uh, yeah, yeah that's it. Aside well, from that, it's inconvenient. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just inconvenient. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah this sucks. And I'm not, uh, working and that's scary for people who have to take care of their families. That sucks. Right. But right. Hey, uh, beyond that, we are lucky that we don't have to walk to the next village for water. We don't have to, <laughs> Right. Do do the weird shit food. Uh, for the most part, we can go to a 99 cent store. By the way, people working there, that's the front line. That's right. And the people working in the health places, they right. are working when everybody else isn't. So thank you guys for hanging in there and, oh, and doing that for us because you're keeping us in a way of living that's kind of comfortable. So, yeah, it's inconvenient, it but I'm, I'm well and my father right. is well. You know, we, we have about 1,400 people listening to us right now, and I always wonder how many people on the front line are listening right now. How many people, like, in the medical industry, how many people, like, at, at you know, hospitals are listening or, like, uh, you know, uh, uh, paramedics and what have you. So, it, it, you know, I, I agree with you. For me, my biggest fear is my mom and how she's yeah. doing and, and her survival rate and, and because she lives with my brother who, who is a little bit younger and then they have children. Okay. So it's one of those things of like, you know, God, just, I wish I just got, if I can get it for her, I would do that in a nanosecond. Yeah, no doubt. No yeah. doubt. Absolutely. But it's really, yeah. really scary. And uh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, you can't see it coming. And apparently in half of the cases, you're asymptomatic either right. for the first half or through the entire thing, which is weird, right? Right, is that, right. This is like one of the scariest things we've ever had. Yeah. In, uh, air quotes, the Spanish flu, which right. But, right. But right. It, it was actually from Oklahoma. Uh, I think it was from Oklahoma where that thing started. Yeah. Yeah. It was like 
pig farmers or something in Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> uh, most people don't know it, but the, the, the thing is that it was only Spain because nobody wanted to, to give the bad news. Uh, right. In fact, it was, it, it came down from the top of, I think it was America and the, the from some of the war efforts. They're like, whatever you do, right. let's not talk about bad things. So right. the only people who were talking about it were the Spanish news reporters and they were like, hey, there's a flu in the world, and it's killing people. That's how it became the Spanish flu. It had nothing to do with right. the Spanish themselves, <laughs> right. <laughs> which is right. weird. It's very odd also with, with this pandemic because there's a lot of disparities as well, like with, with different people. Like some people are getting it more easily than other people, and it's spreading around like that. I mean, that, that's, that's some scary stuff. It's is annoying more than anything. It shows the yeah. racial disparities and the class disparities. Uh, right. In a lot of cases. Um, right. We, we know that in the, I'll call it non non-white sector uh, because Latinos <laughs> are getting it. Uh, right. Sure. African-Americans are getting it. And, right. And there's reasons. Some of those reasons are let's let's start with the most super basic, but you wouldn't think about it. Stress. If you're right. affected by a heavy social social situation and on, right. then you add on top of that the constant racial pressure from day to day you have a higher stress level you've got more uh what is it cortisol running through your system right. and that you're right that suppresses your immune system so right. then add to that the natural you know respiratory system uh problems heart problems that come with me right american or diabetes Latino. and what have you that, yes diabetes is horrible those things are really hit hard by the COVID-19 virus, they, especially the respiratory system and the heart system. So right. if you get hit while you already have those pre-existing conditions, man, right. it's twice as bad. And well, it is literally, in those areas, twice as bad, like in Illinois and in uh, uh, places in the South. Right. Blacks and Latin Amer- Latino Americans are twice as likely to die, literally. Absolutely. Twice as likely to die as everyone else. And well, black black uh, Americans are, are less likely to go go to the hospital. Number one, and also they absolutely. don't want to wear masks because a lot of them have been arrested or followed around because they're wearing masks like in a Walmart. Mm-hmm. So so mm-hmm. they don't want to wear masks. So it's like absolutely. that's crazy. And you grew up in Hawaii, so you know in Hawaii, like a lot of people have like diabetes. A lot of people are overweight. A lot of, a lot of people have absolutely. a lot of st- stress issues and what have you. So that affects absolutely. them as well. It does. It absolutely yeah. does. And it's just a not great situation. Uh, I, I, I can feel the weird, the weird, uh, the weirdness when you walk into a Seven Eleven with a mask on it. And it's not right. that they're looking at me funny because now they right. expect the mask on it. Right. I know that I probably shouldn't be wearing a mask in a normal situation in the normal. Right. Way. So it feels right. very weird to me. And, and now everybody else is like, this is the new normal. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to wear my mask in my car for apparently no reason because right. that's what you do. And I'm like, right. okay, settle down there, Bucky. But it is a little weird. <laughs> It is very, it's very odd. You know, now that we got that, you know, we got, you know, we, we really hit a lot of topics really fast, but now that we get that out of the way, you know, <laughs> so you, yeah, sorry, so you, you just went off on a tangent. Like, I, no, 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 no. I, I, I love that. And, and, and I, I wanted to talk, I, you know, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that, but you, know, you grew up in, in Indiana before you went to Hawaii, right? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Because, when uh, did you move to Hawaii? It's a place to grow up. Yeah, it is. When I was about six, six, oh, probably, that's, five, six. that's older, yeah. Yeah, really, really early on, yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was a massive culture shock. Uh, yeah. In Indiana, I was the only, and I didn't know, 
I didn't even know that I was not white, to be honest. My, my, my father <laughs> is darker skinned and my mom is right. white. And right. that, looking at them, that just seemed like the normal world. And I'm the only child, right. so that was the world. My, my friends right. were all white because it was Indiana, and that's where I lived, and that's where those were my friends. Right? I, didn't, I was like, oh, right. this is the world. And it wasn't until another kid pointed it out. He goes, you're not white. I'm like, <laughs> do you remember that? that? Do, you, do you remember that movie, the, the Idiot by Steve Martin? Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm not black. <laughs> yes, I, 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 that's that was the moment. I had yeah. no clue, and it's it's for real. I didn't know. Yeah. I had no clue, yeah. and right. so that was Why the beginning you? of my first bump in with with race. And we Why? actually got in the fight because of it because. I, I, I think I was trying to argue, but I am. <laughs> right. <laughs> the one that was a little off, but still, uh, I didn't know that there was a difference at all. I right. was not aware until somebody literally, then I get to Hawaii. It is a melting pot of everything. Right. And I grew up in a mostly Asian culture, uh, yeah. surrounded by brown, yellow, white, red. Everybody was there. Uh, right. And in, in, that was amazing. Yeah. So what was your, what was your Hawaiian experience like? So you, you go to, you go, you're from Indiana and you move over there. What was the purpose of you moving to Hawaii? My mom was a uh, nurse and she became a private yeah. nurse uh, okay. for this woman who was very, very wealthy. And right. uh, she literally took my mom around the world twice on the Concord. They went from country to country, visiting everything just because she wanted to. And my mom had to take care of her because she had had a stroke. She couldn't walk on her own. My mom had to literally lift her up and put her in the chair. It, right. that, that hard work that nurses do destroy your body. So respect right. to all nurses who are doing Absolutely. that stuff. Damn. I remember yeah. my mom coming home and her back and her knees were destroyed because she'd be picking people up and lifting them into chairs all day long. So respect. And that's, that's, the, right. that's probably the easiest part of your job. The other nasty bit, right. oh, hell no. But my mom <laughs> did it. And th- this lady came home, and it was winter. It was Indiana. My, my, my mom came home from going around the world the second time, and the lady's like, it's cold. Let's, uh, let's go to Hawaii. And my mom's like, I can't. It's almost Christmas, and I have a family here. Right. She's like, ah, whatever, fine. Let's go to Hawaii anyway. <laughs> She's like, I just told you I can't. She goes, no, no, no. Right. I mean, let's just g- grab those other people and bring them along. And <laughs> That's what she did. She scooped wow. us out of Indiana and deposited us smack dab in the middle of Honolulu in Waikiki. And oh, that Honolulu, yeah. Was, that was my new life. That's where I grew up. And uh, it was it was quite a change. Uh, those are tough neighborhoods. Awesome. I, I, I got to tell you, those are, you know, growing up there, those are really tough neighborhoods to, to get along with. The, the, the people there are, are incredible. They're they're strong and they're wonderful, but trying to trying to mingle and become one of them that is not an easy chore. How how did you it do was, that? In, in Honolulu. In yeah. Honolulu? Yeah. Well, that is where being darker skin played my advantage <laughs> because <laughs> I did not have any problem. They're like, really? Come oh, because you're I, not a howley. Oh, I get it. I'm not a howley. So. So racism goes both ways, and it's an unfortunate yeah. fact, but it, 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 it's human. It's very human. That's why – and I'm both. I mean, I am about as white as you can get without yeah, – you're, you're, you're a hop-howly is what you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, 
basically Hapahali is Asian and white. Uh, right. But, but um, for the most part, I, I grew up, you know, ethnically more or less in a white right. world. And then I grew up in a Polynesian world, part Asian. Uh, and we were constantly exposed to tourists. So, but it, it's not tough at all because they accepted me immediately. But I do see racism on every single side. I, right. I try not to be part of that. I, I hate racism right. because I, I've been on every side of it. I've been the victim. I've been the, the person who could easily direct it because you grow up right. and you see tourists and you're hanging out with your friends and they're like, oh, these howlies. They're ruining everything. And you're like, why? Right. They're bringing in business too. Money, yeah. That's good, right? So, yeah. but, but yeah, we're all, we can all be the weapon or we can be the victim, but I prefer to try to be in the middle of that and try to call it out whenever I can. It drives right. me insane. I do. I hate racism. I absolutely loathe it. It's a massive oh, yeah. problem of simply being, they're not like us. That's it, it, is the, it is the, it is the weirdest concept on the planet earth. I got to tell you, it is the weirdest thing on the planet. Yeah. Really? It's like, it's like, you know, I expected to have flying cars by now and you're still fighting over yes. this. That's incredible. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's 2020 and it's, it's prevalent as, as it, it, it's ever been. It's even worse. Yeah. And yeah. So when you look at the, when you still. look at the Aubrey case and what have you, I mean, what's great about the, you know, what's horrible about the Aubrey case is that it happened. What's great about the Aubrey case is it shows how technology and social media could really bring justice really fast. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. But it's getting weird, too. Didn't the guy who shot the film get picked up or something? Yeah, yeah. He got arrested, and he's going to, he's going to jail for, murder uh, for, for murder as well, yeah. Because they have, a, they have two other videos they, that they have not released yet, and they oh. show something that we don't know anything about. Most likely, it's him cocking a gun. Because the theory is that he had a gun, and also the theory is that him blocking Aubrey the entire time is somehow like a hostage taking or somehow trying to kidnap. So oh. it, they're, they're playing it on that. Oh, yeah. And, and you know what's interesting is that his lawyer tried to play him as being too stupid to do anything wrong. I don't know if you've ever seen any of his old interviews, but his, his lawyer was trying to play him like, he doesn't have more than a high school education. This guy couldn't do anything wrong. It's like, what, what the hell does that mean? That doesn't mean that anything mean? to that's, me. I know. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's like, no, no, no. Sympathy play, but that's weird. <laughs> that's that's, it was weird. very weird. It's like, you know you're calling your, your client stupid, right? Stupid. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hey, but he was off. <laughs> but no, social media just picked up on that and, and, and got them all arrested. And I was like, you know, this is the this is the modern world. This is the way it goes, you know, because if you didn't have a camera there, I mean, how many how many times has this happened where a camera was not around and oh, no man. nobody gave a flip about it? And too, 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 too many. There's there, we have a horrible history. And I do. honestly don't want to even think about that because. This is just, we see one of these probably every month or every other month right now. It's right. very normal. That's right. to say, those are the places where there were a camera. So can you imagine, even in the last 25 years, in the last right. 25 years where there was right. a camera, and before that, before, it was even worse, no doubt, but we got to do better. Right. We have to enact much tougher laws on ourselves, on the police, Right. We have to deal with these more stringently because 
uh, humans are just horrible a lot of the right. time. Given the opportunity, right. humans can be horrible. And, and so, we thought that these yeah. body cams would protect us, but these body cams could be altered and they could be hidden or they could put a subpoena to like block them and what have you. And you can't see them for like sure. two years later. So it's, it's you know, sure. I think, you know, one part of it is that people can be very horrible, but a lot of times forces are protected. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's, that needs to change. We, yeah. we need to change that. Uh, but hey, that's a whole nother thing. Yeah, a whole nother conversation. <laughs> so, so you're, you're, yeah. in, you're, in, you're in Hawaii. You're over there. Now, what did you do while you were in Hawaii? What did you, what did you major in while you were in school, like when you were in high school and what have you? What were you, what were you so interested in? I, I was Lord of the Nerds. I was really Oh, that's right. And lanky and goofy and clumsy as yeah. hell and i was not yeah. cool i kept growing out of my pants i had high you were a dnd guy part of my uh, yeah i was a new guy and i was really tall i was really lanky and, and clumsy as hell so yeah i started playing dnd with my friends and Brilliant. uh that yeah dungeons and dragons and and i love that it, it kept me a kept me out of trouble kept my imagination uh fed uh which right. is, I, I i spent time at the library i absolutely love going to the library and just losing myself in the mythology section or the fiction or or world history right. just trying to understand stuff but uh yeah i was a super nerd and then by the yeah. time i got to high school uh i i uh discovered there was other things in the world females for instance those are <laughs> things. and i was like hey that's cool and yeah. they were like, not having it, out. And I was like, <laughs> okay, thank you very much. And so that was the end of that. And right, I right. Too, I was not nearly cool enough to even have a chance to ask uh, the, the the girl out to the prom or to the dance or whatever. And right. I, that was my next obstacle. And I was like, okay, this this needs to change. So I started to become an athlete and I started to dance. And hmm. uh, I became... A, a, a dancer. I yeah. This is back in the days of breakdancing and stuff. And you, you, you and I, are, you and I are almost the same age. So I, I, under, I understand the, yeah. uh, the, the plight you that you're going that through. Time, yeah. Right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I went. To yeah. The, I went to the dance alone, and I did yeah. my. I, I saw people dancing on the floor. I'm like, I'm gonna go out there on the floor, and I'm gonna do my move. It's gonna be cool. And I went out there, and I did my single. It's called the wave. You wave your yeah. arm. And the way yeah. it goes from one finger all the way to the other finger on the other side. Right. And then back. <laughs> I had practiced that for days on end, and I had it. So I did right. that. And this Japanese dude who was owning the dance floor saw me do that, and he thought yeah. I was challenging him. And oh. he destroyed me on the dance floor. He's like, oh, you want some of this? I'm like, but I got my wave. Whoosh. It was like anime and Goku just destroyed the planet because I got <laughs> wiped out. And it was at that point, I'm like, I may need more moves. So I right. started to dance and dance and dance and play basketball. And I became a good dancer and I got a group right. and we, we started dancing as a group and we started winning dance contests. I ended up winning over like 200 dance contests with my, my crew. And uh, as a result, I got a scholarship to dance school and I went to nice. the same school that uh, Obama went to, President Obama, and yeah. that's where I got to dance under uh, an incredible uh, dance instructor, uh, Marion Jay, and 
it, it, it was awesome. It changed my life. Uh, wow. I, 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 do you know who Kariani Naba is? Yeah, I do. She was in my, my dance class. She was Get the out of here. ballerina. She, she was the best dancer. And I'm like, dude, if I wow. could dance like her. And I was like, hey, you're cool. And she's like, not having it. You can't dance good enough. <laughs> that, made me, that made me want to dance even better because I wanted to be in that league. So right. I took that kind of dance. I took ballet seriously. I took jazz. Because at first I was yeah. a hip-hop. I'm like, I'm not going on point. Are you out of your mind? And the dance instructor's <laughs> like, oh, yes, you are. <laughs> but it was cool. That was my yeah. life growing up was dance and and athletics and living in the ocean, just jumping in the water every single day. It was paradise. It was absolutely amazing. I cannot complain. Nice. And now, when, when did you start in the martial arts? What, what was the first time you like found the school, started joining up in that stuff? Yeah, um, I was probably seven. Uh, I was super hyper and very tall and clumsy. And yep. my mom wanted to get something for some coordination and for some focus to focus my ADHD bounciness. And I don't know what ADHD is or isn't, but I do know that I had so much energy that my mind wouldn't focus on a single thing. I just right. bounced from thing to thing to thing to thing. And that's kind of what a kid is. But it sounds more, it sounds more manic than ADHD. I'll be honest with you. It's more like mania. Okay. Yeah. 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 I, yeah. That, whatever it is, I had that. And yeah. I, my, my teachers would literally make me go outside, run around the entire school twice, and then come back in to try to tire wow. me out. I, oddly, it only revved me up, is what they found. Uh, you know, you I'm and I are way for... more similar than I thought we were. <laughs> you and I. Yeah, yeah man. I, yeah. You, 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 dude, you, you do do martial arts. Yes, you, you do. Yeah, I've been, martial arts I've, been, martial arts, yeah right? I've been. I've been teaching for over 30 years, yeah. <laughs> so what, what styles are they? What are they? Uh, they're a combination of Wu Tong Mountain Kung Fu and Shaolin Kung Fu. You mean Wu Tong? Oh man! That's yeah. The yeah. Sword and the two fingers? Do you do that? Yeah, I, I've always, you know, it was <sighs> funny. You know, I, I was always grateful because you came out to see my film, uh, Six Feet Down Under, yeah, yeah. where I, where I yeah. rode and I executive produced and what what have you. And, and I was, I wanted to go talk to you, but everybody was crowded around you. But I always wanted to talk to you about these things because I always knew that that you and I were extremely similar, and a lot of the oh, things that cool, we've done. Man. Yeah, that's so badass. Yeah, you 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 get to work with my boy Sean Piccinino. That's right, Sean Piccinino. He was he was my he's my student. Yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Nice, dude. He he's he, like, he and his wife are my students. One of the coolest cats. Yeah. He's one of the hardest working, coolest cats, and I, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. He, and he's an excellent martial artist. Most people don't really right. know that, but he is yeah. an excellent solid. So you have taught him extraordinarily well. He's oh, he's really, a really good. I've worked with him. He's a master. He's a master under my style. But let me let me tell you the the coolest thing that ever happened to me, Matt. Because you know my 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 email address was or my 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 IP was wutongmountain.com. and when the RZA uh, the RZA came walking in, oh, and he wanted his child to learn under me. That's the first time that I was ever cool. awestruck. Because I was like watching his that's videos. Cool. Him on top of the Wutong Mountains and learning from this great priest, priest up there. And then he walks into my school and wants me to teach his child. And I'm like, hell yeah. Awesome. yeah. That's beautiful, <laughs> man. That's so cool, dude. That is freaking awesome. Yeah. But I, was, I, 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 I respect, brother. That is beautiful <laughs> that you keep those traditions alive. I love yeah. that. Yeah. 
And it, it's, I but still yeah, teach today. I, you know, I, I have my dojos, and, and it's one of the reasons why I've been able to executive produce is because, you know, I always had that spare money because of, I always had a dojo. So I was always able to teach and, and, and pay for things. But you, you started off your martial arts. What style did you, you, you start training with? My very first style was Shikoryu Karate, and that was uh, in, uh, yeah. again, Honolulu, Hawaii. And yeah. uh, my mom my mom took me. And before that, in Indiana, I was doing piano, and my mom's like, okay, we're going to buy oh, a piano, penis. so yeah. are, are, you, are you serious about this? Are you sure you want us to do this? Because it's expensive, and we can't afford it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, piano, yeah. And she's like, okay. So they got me a piano so I could practice. And right. I did some uh, recitals where... I, I was very good at classical music. I could play the hell out of serious classical music, but I hated right. to practice because I had to sit still <laughs> for an hour or more. Right. And I'm like, ding, 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 and trying to do that with my wrist up and get my fingers slapped and all that stuff. I'm like, nope, want to be outside. Whee! And that was the end of the piano. Right. That was it. So my mom, this time, flash forward a year or two, we're going to get you karate lessons, but can't afford it. So like the piano, you remember the piano, you're not going to quit this one. I'm like, yeah, 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 sure. Sounds cool. Like, all right, right, let's do it. So she enrolled me in karate. I got the cool little uniform with the cool little white belt, got in there. And it was cool at first because it was like being in an old style martial arts movie. Everybody's lined up. You're all doing the same move. The guy's calling out the numbers. And then somebody kicked me and that, sh- that hurt. And I was like, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> and my mom's like, oh, hell no. She grabbed me, drug me back into class. You're going back. Wow. Like, wait, 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 wait. And she did not let me quit. And right. she made me go to karate. Uh, and she, and in fact, so that I couldn't sneak out, she started taking karate. So when I became an orange wow. belt, she was down at the white belt because we lined up by, in order. She was down uh, uh, with the white belts to my left. And she kept looking at me to make sure I wasn't goofing off or sneaking out. And yeah. she took it for a while. And eventually what I learned is if you practice, you get better. Right. I did not know that. Right. So <laughs> after that, I was like, okay, this isn't so bad. I still get bruised, but I bruise less. I, I bruise. It's harder to bruise me and it's right. harder to catch me off guard. But right. the people with higher belts, seem to know how to do it more easily than the people with the lower belt. That's right. So by my calculations, if I get a higher belt, I'll get beat up there. <laughs> so that's <laughs> what I came up with. And, and that's what you thought. That was, yeah, yeah. And that was the beginning of, of my, my, my training. And I stuck with it after that. And eventually I went on to Arashiru Karate. I went on to Northern Shaolin yeah. Kung Fu. Uh, I went on to uh, Aekwondo, uh, Budushin Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, Wing Chun, and and I just studied them all. Capoeira, I did. I I studied them all for long periods of time because I love them. I love being in the market. You understood movements, yeah. Yes. Once you understand it, it's like yeah, you become a polyglot in movement. Yeah. You you start to understand how other movements, and uh, just like learning languages, if you can understand a little bit of Spanish, you can understand a little bit of Italian and a little bit of French. A little bit of French, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Wow. You yeah. You have an ed- wow. You have an ed- you are educated. It's it's very obviously that you are educated because uh, not a lot of people know what you're what you're what you're trying to express right now. Uh, that's that's very uh, that's yeah. That's very advanced stuff. It's fun. I, I'm I'm very fortunate to have had 
the the incredible instructors that I've had, and more importantly, the awesome moms. My mom. Your mom sounds like your mom sounds like a superhero. She she was she was a force of nature, and to do what she did for so long without complaining, we're taking care of that lady, and then raising me was not an easy thing. I would imagine no. it was harder than the lady was. Yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. every mom out there, respect. Uh, you are yeah. an undercover superhero. Respect and thank you. Absolutely. Especially for personalities like ourselves. Let me ask you a question. Were, were you a crier? Because I was a bit of a crier at, 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 when I was growing up. Were you a crier? I might have been, but karate does not allow for that. My my yeah. instructors were Japanese, and right. the top instructor didn't speak English. So yeah. So they, if you don't know martial arts, if you don't know karate, you go into a class and they will only talk to you if you're doing something wrong, and they'll correct you. They'll say you're doing this wrong. That's right. Lower uh, this, put this over here. There is no compliments in an right. old school karate dojo. So. This right. is what, and this is what a compliment sounds like. If you manage to get it, this is what it sounds like. <laughs> that was it. That grunting sound you just heard. Right. It's, it's, it's That's a company it. with a little head nod that says, mm. "Not messing that up." Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> that's what it means. <laughs> and that is the highest compliment you can get. A- right. Anything else, you just get this horrible crinkle face, and they move on, and and you're like, "What the hell was that?" So there is no crying in karate. No, there, no, no, no. You do it once, and you're, and they're like, mm, no good. And that's right. kind of what you get. So you learn very quickly. That gets bred out. So right. maybe I did, but they burn that out. Well, <laughs> I never, out. I, I never cried in the martial arts. I mean, that 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 way, you know, I was always very stubborn. I'll be honest with you, I was very stubborn. But I, I was oh. a crier outside of outside of that world. When something went wrong, where I felt like slighted, or I didn't understand, mostly because I just didn't understand things. When I didn't understand mm-hmm. things, yes. that's that's when I would cry. I would just freak out. You know when I cry? I remember when I cried. It was taking a Band-Aid off. My mom or my dad, I can't remember which one it was, but they're like, I think it was my mom because she was the nurse. He goes, okay, right. we're going to rip it off. And I already had hair on my arm. So I'm like, no, no. <laughs> and she's like, it'll be easier if we just rip it off instead of you going slow. Like, no, no, no. I'm four. I know best. And so I slowly massaged it off and it hurt every hair that I ripped out of my arm hurt or whatever. And I would not let her, I would let it hang on me for days. And I was crying every time, every time they tried to pull it off, like, no, 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 no. That's when I cried a lot. I was like, no, I, <laughs> I was constantly getting hurt. So right. I, I imagine I did, I did cry quite a bit. But yeah. <laughs> so w- when, w- when did, you know, acting start to come into your mind of, of like, this is a plausibility? Um, oh, uh, I grew up on all the movies, but you don't, mm. well, I won't say you, I didn't think, well, that could be me up there. I never really thought that. Right. Um, I, I, first thing I remember seeing is Bruce Lee when I was very, very young. Um, mm. I remember seeing somebody who didn't look like everybody else on TV. And that right. really caught my eye, especially after the kid had said, you're not like me. So I'm like, hmm, all these people hmm. are like him, except for this guy. This right. guy is different. And that made a big difference in my thinking. Oh, right. there's other people that are different. 
not cool because this guy's super cool. And right. flash forward to Jackie Chan, then flash forward to Arnold Schwarzenegger, then uh, Sylvester Stallone. All the superheroes of our time uh, were were people that made a dent in my my mind, uh, including the Predator and stuff like that. So oh yeah, I I when I moved from Hawaii to Los Angeles, I was dancing. I was really into dancing. Uh, I danced for a while. I did music videos and stuff like that. But a dancer's life is really, really? hard, man. You train, See, when you came out train, here, you started train. you started doing a lot of dancing. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was a dancer. I, I That's what I did. Uh, once I learned how to dance, I got a scholarship to dance school. I learned jazz, ballet, modern. I did everything. And then I came out Incredible. as a professional dancer. That's what, that's what I did. And I didn't really equate martial arts and dance, which is choreography, martial right. arts, choreography. That never right. crossed my mind. Really? But, uh, after dancing for a while, I, I'm going to shrink the, the time scale. Uh, yeah. You can jump back if you want to. But I got a record sure. deal, did that, um, totally got screwed out of that record deal. And I was like, man, the music business is dirty and it sucks. I don't ever want to do that. If I'm going to get screwed, <laughs> at least I want to see it coming. Let's try right. acting. How hard could that be? And that's literally right. my thought process. And wow. so I answered an ad, and they're like, hey, you're tall, and you have long hair. You could be the bad guy. And I'm like, sweet, let's do it. And they go, what, <laughs> can you fight? And I'm like, fight? What the hell is that going to do with anything? You know, we're going to fight in the movie. I'm like, punch that guy? And they're like, no, 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 you were going to choreograph And I'm like, because there was no YouTube. There was no yeah, YouTube. I there was no YouTube. Scenes look like. Yes. Yeah. There's no way to know what this stuff looked like behind the scenes. I know exactly I what you're no talking clue. about. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Right? So, yeah. So I walk up, I'm like, they're like, can you choreograph? I'm like, oh, hell yeah. I can choreograph. Well, they're good. Choreograph a fight. And I'm like, oh, well, that's easy. Yeah. And it was, except I didn't understand camera angles. So thank right. God for the early kickboxing movies where I cut my teeth on tons of movies because I made, I, I've worked on probably over 100 film projects easily, easily right. over 100. And uh, about 85 of those suck. So that said, yeah. I learned my, I learned everything. I went to film school and sometimes I even got paid for it because right. out there you, you, you get to see what the film looks like. It took a couple of years for the film to come out, but I was like, man, I remember this being a lot cooler when I shot it, but it doesn't look good. And I started to figure out why. And I started to watch every movie that came out, every, every action movie, every, everything. I became a student of film and cinema. And I wanted to understand why some movies were really, really great and other movies weren't. And I started to understand that. And it took a long time. But then between the acting, the choreography, the cinematography, right. where the lights are, I didn't understand that lighting really makes a huge difference. So it, yeah, it makes a huge difference. Real, yeah. Yeah. Now, most people, they, they grew up and they're like, hey, I can make a film. Man, you're <laughs> watching something. Now, back in the day, we could watch bad movies. There was right. trauma films. There was it showed up on HBO and Cinemax that was really had no business being on those things, but that's what we had. And oh, we had we remember school. back in the old days we had HBO and like ZTV. That's what we had. Yes. And there, like, there was yes. yeah, and yes. <laughs> there was like five channels <laughs> to what we had. Yes. And HBO, <laughs> I, I, do you remember this? That HBO used to only play one or two things a day, and they would yeah. rotate those one or two movies over and over. Again. Yeah, so it was it was like infuriating. I watched Flash Gordon like 60 or 70 times because that's yeah. all that was on HBO that week. And yeah. I, I know every word to every part of that movie. So 
I got to watch good movies and bad movies, and they taught me these are the mistakes, these are the, the not mistakes, these are the good things. And right. if you do one over the other more often, you're going to end up with a better product. And I right. learned from all of that. And I was very, very fortunate. And the last thing was I went to acting school. After I did about 30 movies, I right. finally went to acting school. And it was at that point that I realized, I, I saw real actors in the class, and I'm like, right. oh, my God, I can't act. And I realized <laughs> at that moment, I can't act my way out of a paper bag. It was horrifying. Well, was there a particular movies? That is not the time you want to learn that you cannot act. That is not the time. <laughs> was there was there a particular persuasion of of acting that that you that you appreciated, like Chekhov oh, and yeah. Meisner and like this that? This was this was Meisner. This was Meisner under the Joanne Barron Studio in Santa Monica, oh, yeah. California, and mm-hmm. they are hardcore. In fact, what I loved about it was it was just like being a karate. If you were late, yeah. they would chew you up, and if you That's missed right. the class. You had to make that class up. And they're like, well, you think the director's going to let you be late? You think that's going to be a thing? And you're not a professional. <laughs> they would rip your guts out. I remember right. our class started with 48. Twelve of us graduated that year. Uh, two, year two and a half years later, we graduated. Only 12. And I'm like, whoa, this place is serious. Yeah. And I loved yeah. it. It was hardcore. And they taught me. Yeah, it was really, really serious. They did not play. And I do take acting way, way more seriously after all of that. And it made me a better person, too. They really teach right. how to listen. Uh, Meisner, above all, is listening. Listening and reacting. And I really appreciate that. Well, let's go back a little bit. You know, what was the, what was the first movie that you were in when you first came out to L.A.? Uh, first? Um, was it Breathing Fire? Okay. So I remember I was – well, well, okay – in means a couple of things. You don't come to L.A. in most cases and have words. You're an extra. If you're lucky, you're an extra. Or right. a PA. So that's how movies will start for most people if you come to L.A. So right. when I did it, I was an extra on several movies. The, the one that I remember, to be honest, was it had a Japanese name. It was called Kinjite. And I believe Kinjite. it was Charles Bronson. Yep, nice. Charles Bronson, Kinjite, and I was an extra in that. And then, flash forward a few years, I was an extra in Wayne's World too. And uh, none of these are on your resume, you know. No, 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 no. There, there's no reason to have them on my resume. I'm an extra. I can do anything. Yeah. Stand there like an idiot and hope that I hit the camera. And that's what most extras do. You yeah. work so hard all day. Yeah, I remember. The camera, and then the movie yeah. finally comes out. And it's a long shot. You're on a bus, and the bus comes around the corner, and then it's over. And like that was my scene. That took two days to shoot. That was, right. Okay. So it's like that. <laughs> so that's exactly. That's <laughs> that was tough. But uh, yeah, Breathing Fire was one of the first movies I worked on. Mortal Kombat. Uh, well, let's say let's say I'm Breathing Fire. What, what did you do on What did you do on that film? Because you know, I want to get to the point where you know sooner or later that mm-hmm. you actually worked with Noel Vega. It looks like quite a oh, lot. Yeah. yeah, but but oh, let's yeah. talk about let's, let's talk about breathing fire first. What did you do in breathing fire? And, and when you were doing the film, how did it feel to be on on a movie for the? I mean, really, I mean, be on a movie for the first time. Um. Well, this was a more professional level movie uh, than than I had been on before, but it was different in some way. I, I believe that it had some Chinese influence on it some some of the 
production might have been Chinese, if I remember correctly. But I do remember Bolo Young was was yeah, and Bolo and was Bolo quite a star. Was the bad guy from Game of Death. He That's was right. yoked super martial artist. Who, <laughs> yeah, uh, fought Bruce Lee. So yeah, being on a movie with him, I was like, oh, this is serious. <laughs> I, I didn't know what to think about that. And I was and one of the stars was Short Round from Indiana Jones. Uh, yeah. What's his name? Um, Jonathan. Uh, I can't remember the last name right now. He was in the Goonies, uh, right? Yeah, he was in the Goonies. Um, Jonathan Eddie Savara? Is that it? Jonathan Is that Taekwon? Let me see. Let me see. Uh, yes. Jonathan yeah. uh, Taekwon. Kwan. Yep, yep. Uh, Jonathan Taekwon. He was yeah. super cool and really, really nice to me. He He'd already done several big movies. And yeah. that's why he was one of the stars of this. And uh, man, that was amazing to be. And Bolo, Bolo was super cool because I had a oh really scene with him. Oh man, he was he was so cool. He was cool because he was Bolo. So he always yeah. got the cool factor. He came on set. He doesn't talk very much, but he walked up. He hit me on the shoulder, and I was very young. And he goes. He pointed at me. Then he pointed at himself. Then he lifted one leg in front of him like he's doing a front snap kick, but he left it there. He locked it there. Then he did a one-legged squat. He just lifted his hands up and went, shut up. <laughs> and, he, and then he pointed at me. And I, and I was like, mm, because my training said, oh, it just means do it. So I stuck my leg out and I squatted. I, I couldn't get back up, but I did make it on the down. Gravity helped me with that. So that was right. the end of that. <laughs> and, and he goes, and he he patted me on the shoulder and he he goes practice and he fucked up right. Oh, that, that's awesome. oh, no, gave me a gift. It was amazing. It was super cool. I was yeah. He was really really nice. We ended yeah. up having a cool little fight scene. My character I believe was Mickey and he could only fight when music was on. He could only fight when he was dancing. So right. It was a fun character. It was fun and it was a great experience. <laughs> I got to work with oh. uh, amazing actors. Yeah, Bolo's pecs were 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 insane. I mean, I, I don't know you where know. in the world he got. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, know he how was incredible. You do that? That must be a genetic thing. It, you know, it it, it must have been a genetic thing. Yeah, he was huge. Yes, he was yoked, and he. I I, I don't ever remember seeing him train, but I know that he must train like an absolute beast. I would love to have been there for that. But the fact that he could do a one-legged squat without even warming up. Yeah. That means. He's he's training like a beast. Yeah, that's a, that's a classic Tai Chi move as well. That's a classic. That's a classic Tai Chi move. It's very difficult do to do. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah. Oh man, that's respect, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's it's awesome. a very it's a very difficult move to do. And we, I, you know, I was one of those students that my my grandmaster would, would stand on my shoulders and press what? me downwards. You know, <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> so, man. Yeah. It was, it was hardcore. It was hardcore. So, so let's move on. So you, you worked on Dragon Fury as well. Now I saw Dragon Fury, believe it or not. Ooh. So, <laughs> yeah, I've watched, I've watched, I've watched a lot of the, you know, I was looking at your resume and I'm like, what, what's really weird is I've seen a lot of your movies, man. <laughs> I've seen a lot. You were man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I love movies. I, I love watching films. 
Um, the one thing I can say about my mom is that she, the, the, when I was 10 years old, the, the two movies she got me for my 10th birthday was Rambo First Blood and The Secret of Nim. She just, wow. <laughs> you know how a good mom, right? You, you know, our families are more like, you know, if it, if it has to do anything to do with sex, I, I don't want you to watch yep. it, but, but violence is yep. fine. Yes. Violence yeah. is fine. That's how it was. That's exactly how it was. <laughs> and, but it was a great time to grow up for violence, though, man. Those were great days yeah. when, when oh, Rambo yeah. could shoot a gun and destroy everybody on the field. That was amazing. Right. Well, you know, Rambo First Blood was, was really a brilliant movie. I mean, when you look at the book and when you look at the movie, it, it really had a lot of brilliant sensibilities about it. It was kind of a sad if film. Correctly, if I remember correctly, he only kills one person, right? Yeah, it was all mis- everything that he did was kind of circumstantial or a mistake that happens, and yeah. uh, he, he even the even the guy that he hits with the spikes. I mean, he's sorry about that because it was it was the one guy that kind of cared about him and cared about all the suffering that he was going through. Yeah. So he, so he really yeah. he really gave a darn. That's why at the end of the film, there's one portion of there's one part where he actually kills himself because in the book he kills himself. So there's oh, one ver- yeah. yeah there's yeah, there's one version where he kills himself, uh, but they wanted to do sequels. That. Yeah, yeah. There's oh. one. Yeah, there's one version in the film. If you look at some of the extras, he kills himself. But the, they wanted they wanted more films, so they recorded one where he actually lived. Uh, and uh, you know, history is in, in the making. You know. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome, though. Yeah, that's it's really cool. Really cool. I love movies. I, I mean, I love movies, which is I, I think which is why I love the show here. I mean, this is I mean, this is our our ninth eighth season, where I've been doing this for ten years, and I I just love talking to people about movies and you know their part in the films and 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 what we believe in filmmaking and and what they what you watch. I particularly like talking to people like yourself because we have the same generational understanding. So we can Absolutely. we can talk about we can talk about film in a different way than I can talk to somebody yes. who's maybe like you know twenty two, who doesn't really yeah, have any understanding. Yeah. yeah, they haven't seen half, half the crap that we've seen, and plus they don't have the same kind of amplitude to understand those Jackie Chan films where it's you know that guy could have died every single time he made a movie. Yes, oh, it's you, terrifying to watch behind the scenes. It's horrifying. I used to watch those. It would make it, it would everything would clench. Every part of my body would yeah. clench up. Yes. And, but, but that is what inspired us to go to the next level a lot of the time. And in fact, I believe, yeah. uh, I remember kids were going, hey, yeah, I do this new thing. It's called parkour. I'm like, okay, number one, <laughs> that's not new. Jackie <laughs> Chan's been doing that for like 30 years. Yeah, exactly. Discovering it. He exactly. invented half of that stuff. Yeah. He did. His, he and his he did. team. Yeah, yeah. That they were doing that stuff, and they were doing it well, and they were filming it time after time, and they were doing it in unison with somebody else trying to hit them with something. Most That's of right. the, in most cases. So, That's right. Oh, I was like, what? That that. When I was watching that stuff, I was blown away, and that see, made is, me want to try. To see, this is generational. See, this is generational. This is something you and I could really understand, but other people cannot understand. Because, you know, when you talk about parkour, they're, they're talking about like, oh, it's a brand new concept. It came from this place. It came from this place. It's like, no, it came from Jackie Chan and other yeah, artists like yeah. that. You know, other artists like Him that. And his team. Absolutely. Exactly. And, and even he discovered it from the, the generation before him, although they were doing Absolutely. it a little bit slower and less, less explosively. 
man. Right. He really made it shine right. during his time. And, and well, you look at you look at for, I, you look at the Shell and Monks. Shell and Monks are running across the wall, and they're running yeah. across walls. Yeah. yeah, I mean, come on, that's that's old stuff. And to the people who who are like, wait, what? Go watch Project A or right. oh. Armor of God. Yeah, Project A and Armor of God. You will be like, oh, oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, Armor Armor of God is when he split his head open and he needed a a metal plate in his head. Yep. Yep. (laughs) He still has a soft spot in the skull. That is scary to watch. And and Project A is when he is is that the one he's on the clock and he goes through the two canvases and he lands directly on his skull again. That's that's exactly it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So yeah. So where he goes through, he goes through, he goes through one barricade, a second barricade, a third barricade, and then he falls almost straight on his T two. I mean, he's straight, oh. almost right on his neck and hits his head. It's like it's incredible oh. to watch. Oh man, it's painful. He, but yeah, he talks. Sex, he man. talks about. Yeah, he talks about all these great American um, uh, artists that he wants to replicate, but none of them did what he did. I mean, like they were all no. gods in what they did. But listen, you sacrificed your body to really be something amazing. Yeah, he went to the next level. He went. He had to outdo it. He had to take it to the next level. And and now, I mean, respect, all the respect to that, but to go to the next level beyond Jackie Chan, we had to go digital. Yeah. Right. And we did. Right. That's, I mean, that's, that was the next level. Yeah. I remember the first time, uh, you know, they told Jackie Chan he couldn't do things. <laughs> that was what, was, what was the name of the movie that he was in? Uh, that was the first, the, the big American movie that he did with that, that one guy where he was a cop. It wasn't and High the, Noon. It was uh, the other no, one. No, no, Rush no. Hour. It was Rush the one, hour. yeah, Rush Hour. Yes. And he's like, why can't I do what I want to do? <laughs> and they really just, they, they couldn't get the insurance for it. Nobody Can would insure you, him. Do you remember the axe fight when they're on top of the building and they're having a fight sure. with axes? Yeah. In the first Rush Hour? I yeah. was there for that. I was visiting no. them that day, and I watched them do part of the fight. And at the end, then they cut. He ripped off his elbow pads because he had to cut right before they did something with a stuntman who was going to take his place. And it wasn't even half as cool as what he would have done, but he was so pissed that they had to cut to, to change things out because this American style wouldn't let right. him do what he normally did. He was furious. I'll never forget seeing that moment when he stomped off the set. He just looked at me. He's like, that's it? That's all we're doing? <laughs> he, he had that look on <laughs> me. And, and I knew why he was mad. It was obvious. I was like, he can do this himself, and he can do it better than yeah. what... Oh, and, and they had all these protective things for him, and he's like, it's like kindergarten. <laughs> you can see right. like, oh, man. <laughs> he was furious. Now I, I've met but, Jackie but, Chan before, but I've I've never seen him on set. What is he? What is he? What is he like on set? I, I, that's the only time I saw him on set, to be honest. Uh, everything else yeah. is behind the scenes. So yeah. he, he's he's a focused laser. He he's a professional, yeah. and that is his uh, balawak. That's what he does. So when you're doing your thing, when you're in the zone, you know how you are. That that is exactly how he is. He's an artist. Uh, creating his art, and he is a focused laser. It's beautiful to watch. It's really cool. Nice. You know, let, let's talk about Once Upon a Time in China and America, because you, you worked with Noel Vega, which is a good friend, I think, of both of ours. You've known him way, uh-huh. way longer than I have, but tell me, tell me about that film. You worked with the, the great Jet Li, the brilliant Jet Li. Yes. 
Yeah, yeah. I, t- tell me about that film. I have to go back a little bit. I'll tell you a little bit about that film. First off, okay. um, my friend Van Ayakut. Van is a stunt coordinator, uh, stuntman in uh, Los Angeles. Really, really great choreographer. He's incredible. He was also a professional wrestler in Japan at one time. But yeah. before all of that, he's my he's one, of my, one of my best friends. He and I went to Santa Monica. We were walking around because we were bored. It was a Friday night on Santa Monica. And yeah. there's a place called the Lowe's Theater in Santa Monica. And yeah. it said, tonight, Kung Fu movie. And, I'm like, and we saw the poster. It was a Kung Fu movie. We're like, dude, we got to check this out. He's like, cool, man. We just got to waste time for a couple hours. So we did. We came back. <laughs> thinking that, hey, it's a special weird thing and nobody likes Kung Fu movies. Theater was sold out. We were lucky wow. we got tickets, but it was sold out. I'm like, what the hell? What? Why are all these people here? Because, <laughs> and they were rabid to get their seats. And I'm like, what in the hell is going on? Well, I didn't know what this movie was. I thought it was an right. old Kung Fu movie. It, it was in Chinese. I couldn't read the title, but apparently right. it was called Once Upon a Time in China. And yes. it was the first time it was showed in Los Angeles. And so we sat down, and that was the first time we were like, what the hell is yeah. this awesomeness? It brilliant was movie. on a whole nother level. Now, yeah. if you don't know what that movie is, first off, you should go watch it. Starring tell, first of all, tell, you know, we have, a large, we have a large audience right now. Tell, tell them about that film. Tell, tell them what the film is. Once Upon a Time in China is a movie about a famous character, uh, Wong Fei-Hung. It is, it's kind of like their Paul Bunyan, their Robin Hood, kind of. Uh, yeah, Wong, Wong, Wong Fei-Hung is, is actually, you know, when you watch like Drunken Master 2, when you watch like mm-hmm. a lot of these other films, you know, Wong Fei-Hung is, is really the biggest martial artist, other than, uh, you know, uh, Feng Seok. Other than mm-hmm. Feng Seok, you know, he mm-hmm. is one of their biggest heroes. Yep, he's kind of like Hercules. He's a Chinese Hercules, except yeah. his strength is in his martial arts, but he's a doctor. He's a healer that can use his healing to beat you up if he wants to, but he usually tries <laughs> to level it out with some control. So that's right. who Wong Fei-Hung is, and he's right. portrayed by Jet Li in this movie. And it is choreographed. The action is created by a guy named Wu Ping. And you mm-hmm. might know Wu Ping's name from The Matrix. He did the action in The Matrix. So and Crouching Tiger. We did not know. Yes, and Crouching Tiger. We did not know any of that walking in. We were blown away to see one of the best kung fu movies we have ever seen in our lives. And that wow. changed everything for us. We're like, dude, Jet Li, is he a new guy? Is he new? What was this? No, this movie was a little bit old. And this is the first time it was being showed in L.A. And he had several movies out. And he was awesome in all of them. And right. so that's. That changed our mind about choreography, about cinematography. That changed everything. This was the game changer. This was a long time before The Matrix. Um, right. And that started us on our path. So flash forward, we're sitting at – it's Van and I sitting again at the coffee shop, and I'm looking through something called the Drama Log or Backstage West, which is where all the casting things used to be before the That's internet. Right. And it said, hey, there's a movie being ca- uh, directed by a guy named – Sammo Hung. And I was like, did I just read that right? Sammo? What? <laughs> Starring Jet Li. I'm like, oh, 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 shit. So I, I was like, dude, 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 look, look, look. And I jumped up. I ran downstairs. This is on 
Ventura Boulevard at Laurel Canyon at a place called the Coffee Bean. I ran downstairs into the parking lot because there were no cell phones yet. And I got on the payphone. <laughs> a payphone is a phone that is connected to the wall. And you had to put money into the phone to make a phone call. I'm talking to the younger people. In the anyway, so I did that. And uh, I called the casting director because I had right. to be a part of this movie. Needed yeah. to be a part of it. So I'm in the parking lot. And every time a car came around the corner, it made that weird tire squealing sound. And I was trying to cover the phone. And then I went, oh, hello. Yeah, this, and I used my friend's name. This is Michael G. And uh, my client, TJ Storm, absolutely amazing. You have to see him. Incredible martial artist, incredible actor. You need to see him for this film. And they're like, oh, 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 yeah. I was lying through my teeth. Dude, I need yeah. to be a part of this movie. So of course. I hyped them up and they're like, okay, okay, you know what? Let's get him, let's get him an audition. How, uh, how about Tuesday? It was about two or three days away. And I'm like, right. sounds good, sounds good. Why don't you give me that address and I'll see that he gets there. And they gave me the address and I'm like, hmm, don't recognize. Is this in Brentwood? Like, oh, no, 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 no. This is, uh, this is in uh, San Antonio, Texas. I'm like, what? Ha. Okay. So, good. Good. He'll be there. He'll be there. <laughs> and I ran upstairs. I'm like, dude, I got us an audition. He's like, Wah! So we jumped in his car, drove 22 hours straight to get right. to an audition. Wow. Walk into the audition and sitting there at the table by himself in the room is Samuel Hung. Get out of here. Did not expect that at all. And now, wow. I, I, out of everybody in the waiting room, I'm probably the only one who recognized who was sitting behind the table. No pressure. So I did my scene because I had been doing it for 22 hours straight. I've been practicing the car with Van. No, no for, for the audience out there, oh, Samo yeah. Hong is the eldest brother of Jackie Chan and Yoon Biao. These, are the, these guys did lots of movies together, very much the, the coupling brothers or the, the um, what we consider in American cinema to be, you know, like the brother films where they go together and they do an adventure as a group. Please continue. Yes. Yes. And, and if Jackie Chan was Laurel, then this was Hardy. Uh, he right. is an, but he's an amazing martial artist who can jump, flip. Uh, he's an amazing cook. Amazing also. martial artist. Amazing. And comical. And he understands timing, acting. He's amazing. He was yes. directing this film. And he's sitting there. Nobody else knows him, but I recognize him. All of a sudden, this just got serious. So he goes, mm, you act? I'm like, yes. He goes, okay, scene. Cool. We did the scene. He goes, no, no expression. As in, he gives nothing away. He's like a stone uh, statue. Right. He goes, hmm, right. you do martial art? I'm like, yes. He goes, hmm, go. Just like my sensei. I'm like, hmm, no problem. I went full <laughs> matrix. In the room, I'm flipping off of walls, doing toe tips, I'm tornado kicking, I'm spinning, butterfly twist, bang, land. I look up at him. I know he's impressed. Nothing. Mm. <laughs> and I'm like, of course, we all ride horses. Because I'm a Native American in this film. Right. He's like, I thought that was a cute joke. Nope, nothing. Mm. Next. Mm. I'm like, huh. Wow. <laughs> wow. Next. I walked out dripping sweat. Yep, that was it. I walked out dripping sweat. And Van's like, how'd it go? I'm like, dude, Samo's in there. He's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so we drove home. 
that was the end of it. And yeah. the next day, I got a call. Okay, we'll see you in two weeks. You got the part. And I'm like, yeah! wow, yeah! wow. So, I, I. By the way, that that you ride a horse thing. I lied about that. I did not ride a horse. <laughs> I have never even seen a real horse up until that point. So, that's a whole other story. I will tell you another day because that's another long story. But, but. Long story short, I did have to ride a horse. And then later I got on a TV show called Conan, and I lived on a horse for the next year. Yeah, that was, but, your, that was your next project. But Noel Vega was the uh, American stunt coordinator and liaison uh, between the Chinese team and the American team on yeah. Once Upon a Time in China and America. That's the film that I had just auditioned for. And yeah, Sam Wong was, uh, was living with Noel Vega at the time. Yes, yes, and Noel is is a powerhouse. Uh, he's a powerhouse producer. He he is a stunt coordinator. He knows every aspect of the business. He knows how to budget. He knows how to uh, make a movie happen. And yeah. he helped this movie along. He was the oil in the gears, and he kept everybody cool and sane and safe. And it was absolutely amazing to finally meet him. And I still get to work with Noel. He's uh, a great friend, and we work all the time. And and you work with him now as well with uh, Steve Piccinino. Um, Sorry, uh, Sean Pagino, yeah. and uh, and he's still yeah. plugging away, making great movies, and, and doing great things. You you guys you guys have worked on video games together, have you not? You, you did mocap with him, oh, right? We worked on a ton of video games. Uh, we get to do all kinds of fun stuff. He is amazing. We worked through the Call of Duty series uh, yes. over probably ten years. Uh, we worked on Call of Duties together. Uh, we worked on other movies together. We worked on a movie called Blood Rain in Romania. Uh, Noel Vega is an amazing, amazing force in the business. He just does not stop. He he speaks Chinese. I think he speaks some Filipino, some, a lot of Spanish. He's, yeah, he's to call, top yeah. I don't know how yeah. he absorbs all the information he does. And he plays martial arts. We, we used to play martial arts. He did with Chun. And he used to lift as well, so we had so much in common. So I think we're I think we're and, all uh, very similar. We're we're all a little manic. We all have that like yeah. really high energy, you know. Whereas we can't stay still, and we have to keep on moving, kind of thing. I think we all have that in common. Yeah. So 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 you worked on a lot of video games. I mean, a lot of video games like Splinter Cell and what have you. So wh- oh, what yeah, is your yeah, you know, what, what is your yeah what is your video game experience been like? Um. Well, video games is, again, it's largely acting and performance. Um, I got lucky. In video games, I'm either doing voice or I'm doing something called performance capture. Uh, performance capture, it's also called motion capture or mocap. Um, I, I got into it about 25 years ago, kind of on accident. I was helping a guy out. He's like, hey, you want to help me try this new system out? It's called mocap. And I'm like, what is this, <laughs> weird? And he's like, no, you just wear this scuba suit and we put balls all over you I'm like no i'm out that's weird right. and he's like no 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 they're, they're like little shiny markers and they'll be seen by the cameras i'm like okay let's try it and we worked on video games and my yeah. move they basically they put this really tight suit on you has little markers all over it and you walk into a room that is uh, surrounded by infrared cameras they can only see those markers on your suit they can't see anything else they can only see a light white light that's reflected back at them and that's what the suit's for. And whatever movement you make, you, you, the, the cameras will pick that up and put it in the computer 
that will drive the character on the computer. So if you have the Hulk on the computer and you move around, then the Hulk moves around the same way you do. So I've gotten to do that for literally hundreds of video, hundreds of video games. Uh, yeah. I've been Iron Man in Captain America Civil War. I've been Darth Vader. Right. I've been the Predator, Godzilla. And for video games, I've been fortunate enough to that in my learning ground, my, my playground. Right. And I've worked on tons of games, more than I can even remember the titles of, but Spider-Man and Call of Duty, Battlefield, Dead Space, Final Fantasy. I've gotten Tekken. I've so fortunate. Yeah, yeah, Tekken. I've been so fortunate to work on uh, a lot of the video games that I actually love. Re- Resident Evil 5, by the way. Me. Yeah, Resident Evil 5, Devil May Cry. Uh, there's there's two guys in the business that have been doing it as uh, uh, this long. It's me and a guy named Ruben Langdon. Uh, next to us, lengthwise, is probably Terry Notary and Andy Serkis. Uh, but Andy has bigger characters. That's why you probably know his name. As he did Gollum, and yeah. he did the first King Kong. But but yeah, he he's an amazing force himself. But yeah, I've been super lucky. To Wait, hold on a second. You had you had a chance to work with Andy Circus before? I have not worked with him. I've, I've met him, uh, but yeah. I've never gotten to work with him yet. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, yeah, because he he's amazing, and he he was Snoke in uh, yeah in second to the last Star Wars. Uh, That's right. Is Gollum? Smeagol, he's direct, He's uh, directing Venom too. Yes, yes, and and he, he's got a very good. Since things he he directed uh, Jungle Book Mowgli uh, that's right Mowgli I believe on Netflix yeah that, that was uh, that was the second one not the giant Favreau one but the second one that was yes. released on uh, Netflix yes and it's beautifully done beautiful face capture beautiful performances from from uh, incredible actors it's really really nicely done now tell me about Conan because we we went from we went from you you can't ride a horse to you're going to live on a horse yeah. <laughs> so that's another case where uh, I saw an ad. Uh, I immediately called my agent. I'm like, hey, did you guys send me in for this this part? And they're like, uh, we think so. I'm like, you think so? Oh, hell no. So I grabbed, I grabbed my picture. I slammed it in an envelope, and I sprinted directly down to the office on my motorcycle. I got on my motorcycle. And with my motorcycle helmet in, I – marched into the office and I slapped it down on the uh, receptionist desk. And I said, special delivery, make sure this gets directly into the hands of the cashing director ASAP. They're expecting it. I had my helmet on, so they did not know that it was, it was you. So yeah, I smart. marched out like, I was, and they're like, and she immediately got up and walked it out. And they're like, oh man, I'm getting a little too brave for this bullshit. But, <laughs> but <laughs> they did it. And when I got home, there was already a voicemail on my, my machine that says, uh, we would like to see TJ for this part. And That's I'm like, awesome. yes, yes. So I, I went in. I had to go in three or four times because it was television uh, okay. for callback, 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 callback. And I finally got the part. And I, we lived in Mexico to shoot Conan the Adventurer. It was called Conan the Adventurer. And, and it was a television you. series. Yep, bio. And it was the same time that Hercules and Xena was all on. And yep. we lived in 100 degrees humidity plus 100 degrees heat. 
that's what we shot in. And as long as the sun was up, we were shooting every single day, except that was amazing. That was really an amazing adventure. Uh, and then on Sunday morning, the one day that we could sleep in, we had this uh, old hardcore stunt coordinator. His name, I think his name was Chuck Bailey. And he slammed on Bailey. the door. How do I know yep. that name? He's old, he was he was on the stuntman. He was literally on the movie The Stuntman, and he was a kid under yeah. John Wayne. So he he came from hardcore stunts. He's like, get up, yeah. it's time to learn how to ride a horse. And he would take us Jeez. out and teach us horse tricks, like how to run next to a horse and then mount it, how to turn around in the saddle, how to stand up on a riding horse, all of that stuff. He would teach us so we could use it on the show. Wow, he was awesome. But I would have rather slept in. And <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was amazing. He was he was awesome. A big guy with a huge smile, but he was great. Nice. During this time, did you did you do you communicate with your mom and let her know what you were doing and and let her know? You it was know, one of I got to tell but, you, it was one of the the proudest moments of my life. Is I the producers were on set one day, and I had just done something, and they were like, "That was great." Maybe it was some martial arts thing where I jumped off a cliff. And, yeah. Something, something, it, it, and they were really happy. And I'm like, man, I wish my parents could see this. I was pouring sweat because it was super hot. They're like, wow. oh, what did you say so? Um, you want them to have a hotel? We can get them a, a plane. We'll just bring them here, bring them to the hotel. I'm like, you can do that? He's like, yeah, you're one of the leads of the show. You can do that. They're like, yes, please. <laughs> so they brought my parents, wow, first class down to Mexico, put them in the same hotel that we were staying that beautiful, amazing hotel, and. They got to come to set every single day. My mom was so proud. My dad was so proud. They they were beaming, and that made every single time that I got in trouble, every single time that I had to go to karate, every single time I had to do my homework, all of right. that, it was worth it. At that moment that I got to give them some of that back just to show them that their investment <laughs> in me, right. time, energy, blood, pain, all of that, it, it worked it out. Worth it. Their son was going to uh, do something good. <laughs> I was wow, so I'm proud. So, that, I'm so happy that for awesome. you that you had to have that experience. You know, so it's so rare that people get to have that experience of, you know, the, the people being proud of them and, and showing them, like, like you said, you know, everything you did, your sacrifices, it was all worth it. And I'm, and I'm also happy. I'm also happy with what I'm doing. Yes. Yes. And they saw that. And they um, and it was at that time that they started to understand the the entirety of what I was becoming or what I might become. So right. that really helped. And and they didn't always understand it. I, I remember I told my mom, Mom, I'm in a movie called Deadpool and she's like, I don't see you. I'm like, You see the big silver Russian guy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you behind him? I'm like, no, 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 no. That's me. That's, I'm like, it doesn't look like you. How long did that makeup take? I'm like, it's not, it's not makeup, mom. That's, you know what? Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> That's just too hard <laughs> But, but, but yeah, that it was, yeah. it was all, yeah. it was awesome. She was always like, my son's in Deadpool. I don't know where, but you look for him. You'll find him. <laughs> I'm right there. I'm right there. I'm right He's the big guy. He's the big guy. 
Well, you, you worked with Noel Vega again on martial law. You know, before we go on to yeah. uh, on to your, your, your a lot of your future you know, stuff, how how was huh? that again working working with uh, you know the the great masters and what have you? Yeah, martial law. Wow, I remember. First off, uh, again, Noel has always been awesome in, in yeah. finding the people that are right for the project and bringing the right people together. And Martial Law was a great television series on CBS that starred, again, Samuel Hung, Jackie Chan's brother, the same guy who directed Once Upon a Time in China in America. And he was finally making his, his debut in America, and he was doing well. He was on primetime. He had a great show. Uh, Kelly Hu was on the show as well. Um, uh, oh, and by the way, Kelly, who and I grew up together, she was my prom date. So really, my yep, I finally became cool enough to ask a girl out, and it was <laughs> Miss Teenage USA. And she, to my surprise, I was terrified in asking her, and I was terrified in going with her. I was not, I, I was, I seemed cool. I was not that particularly cool. I was terrified the entire time. She was so cool. She was so what it felt like. She was out of my league, but she was very kind. She's freaking awesome. She's an awesome human being. She still is. We're still great friends. And uh, she's still doing amazing things. She became uh, Lady Deathstrike in the X-Men 2. That's X-Men right. 2. Yeah. Uh, and she's done a ton of other stuff, but she was on Martial Law. And so I got wow. on the show and they showed me this choreography. I was fighting. Oh, I can't remember what his name is. He's got piercing blue eyes and curly blonde hair. He's in Minority Report. You know what I'm talking about? Um, oh yes, I know who you're talking about. He was also in um, uh, Band of Brothers. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yes. I fight him, and uh, the the Chinese uh, choreography team, the action team, because only Samuel would only allow uh, badass action team to uh, do his action for him. They were like, yeah. I could tell they're like, okay, American, you're going to throw this punch, and you're going to do one of these, and. If you can lift your foot above your own hip, you can try to throw a kick, but we're not holding our breath. So I'm like, understand. So I started doing the techniques, and I saw him go, eh, you can do that? I'm like, do you want me to do something different? He go, oh, yeah, 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 try this. We put together some cool, fun stuff, and they were so happy. Nice. And that made me happy. If I could make the Chinese stunt team. Yeah, uh, that's like, impressive. Yes, I was like, oh, I feel good about this. And this was the <laughs> second time I was working with Samo, Samo and yeah. uh, I was happy to do that kind of work. It was really, really fun. Yeah. Was, did he, did really he remember you? Did, 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 you, did you guys have yeah. a conversation about that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, do you know who Jeff Wolf is? Yeah. Jeff, I just had Jeff Wolf so, on last, last week. Ah, perfect. So Jeff Wolf was also part of Once Upon a Time in China and America. He was uh, Billy the Kid, I believe. So we oh. were all, and and uh, it was uh, we, we were best friends in in the early days of us all. And I remember yeah. there was in Hollywood. There's always a group that are always fighting to be the next, whatever it is, the Van Dam, the next uh, right. Rock, whoever it is. And we were all right. wanting to be the next Schwarzenegger. We were all martial artists or bodybuilders or something. And right. we all came up, probably 30 or 40 of us. I remember there were guys with names like Tiger, and there was Shark, and, and there was these, all these guys. We all came up together. Only a tiny handful of us remained. And Jeff Wolf is one of them. We, we both worked on Once Upon a Time in China and America. We both worked on 
martial law at some point. Jeff Wolf is one of the top stunt coordinators in yeah. Hollywood, hands down. And yeah. not only that, he's a super cool guy, super cool family guy as well. Uh, oh, he's a nice guy, husband, yeah. Great yeah. father, really, really cool cat. And he's still one of my best friends. You know, tell you about you know tell you about Jeff Wolf. You know, when I first started the show around seven to eight years ago, uh, he was my, like my second guest, and to have him on again, like eight years later, was so much fun. Uh, because awesome, you know man. he's he's very light, he's very kind. Uh, you know, I think he's a little freaked out by doing like you know these kind of things. I don't I don't think he really likes to do. Uh, you know, uh, radio or TV or that kind of stuff. But, you know, mm-hmm. as soon as we started talking, you know, it, it, we just blew up and we just had a lot of fun That's and awesome. we just enjoyed each other. And he's one of those kind of people that are, he's really special. He's a really special yeah. human being. Yeah, he's a super, super cool cat. When I, the, the couple of times that I've had to move uh, from place to place, he was always yeah. there. He'd always help move. He's one of those guys. You know who your yeah. friends are when you have to move. No doubt. <laughs> when it's time to move, no. <laughs> you're like, some of your friends are like, oh, I got to do my hair. I'm like, man, you're bald, bro. Huh? No, no. <laughs> thinking about getting hair, and today I'm going to do it. So we're like, okay, I see. All right, it's good. But he didn't hesitate. He showed up, and he, he pitched in every single time. We used to play yeah. D&D at the same table. Super cool cat. Man. No, he's, he's really? Yep. Oh, man. I, if for you... For you people who know D&D, I will tell you that I believe Jeff played a monk in my game, and he put this stuff called, in the game, he put this stuff called Oil of Impact, which he didn't know this, but you put this oil on your weapon, and when you hit something with your weapon, the oil explodes. Well, he put it on his foot, and (laughs) then he kicked the monster. I'm like, wait, you what? He goes, I'm going to put the Oil of Impact on my foot. I'm going to do a tornado kick. I'm like, are you sure? Yeah, I'm do it. I'm like, Okay. And his foot blew up. <laughs> his foot blew up. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, he was a one-footed monk. <laughs> one-footed monk. We were crying. We were laughing so hard because then, only then did he read yeah. the fine print on the, on, the, on the object. And he's like, yeah. oh, did yeah. I know that? <laughs> Yeah, I'm a huge I'm a huge D and D dork. You know, I remember in the Glendale Galleria when they used to actually have the dice in, in one yeah. of their stores in there. Do you remember that? Yeah, there was a game <laughs> store in there. I yeah, there was. To it when I went to the Galleria, yeah, exactly. It was amazing. We used to go. We used to go in there and get everything we can. Uh, you know, I, I remember one of the reasons why graph paper exists is for D and D. I tell you that much. D and D. <laughs> they brought it to the mainstream. Otherwise, exactly. only engineers needed it. <laughs> or architects, exactly. Yes. Or, yes. or dungeon masters. <laughs> yes, dungeon masters definitely needed it. They were both you engineer know, and architect. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's great is that you had to have a great imagination. You need to know where you're going. You need to have a path. You need to, plus, you need to know a little bit about quantum mechanics because you need to take different paths while you're yes. there. Yes. Yeah, Absolutely. you can't just Absolutely. you can't just go. It's not linear. No, I, I will tell you a secret. It is one of my secret weapons that I play Dungeons and Dragons in Hollywood and especially in video games. When you in in a video game, they don't hire you to play one character. Uh, sometimes, sometimes they'll hire you to play all the characters, and that's how it was, right. especially in the early days when right. the system could only handle one person in the volume in the right. in the room where we shot, but. We'll go in and one time with the hero, 
the next time we're the alien, the next time you're the undead, zombie, whatever you need to be, you become. And that's what you do in D&D. You just imagine yourself being different things. And that made my, my mind so open to the possibility of, yes, and I could be this or I could do this, that right. I have a secret advantage when I go into auditions. They're like, okay, that was great, but how about we do something totally different? Yeah, let's do it because you're, you're, right. you're already there. So if you haven't and you're in the arts, feel free to play D&D. If you want a secret advantage, you will have a <laughs> <laughs> You know, you, you have so many movies on your, on your resume. It, it's, it's almost going to be impossible for us to get through them all. But let's talk about Avatar for just a second here. Mm-hmm. You worked on – that's such a huge set. It's such a great director right there. Uh, what, what, what parts did you play in and, and how great was it to work with such a great crew? It's uh, huge. You're small. You're 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 one small gear in a massive monster machine. It took several years to bring together. Um, between Ruben Langdon, the other guy who I said did uh, performance capture for uh, 25 years, like I have, uh, and Nito La- uh, Nito Larioza. You know him? Yeah. Uh-huh. From Hawaii, super cool cat and. Uh, Garrett Warren. They all brought me in. Uh, Garrett <laughs> Warren is another stunt coordinator. I had Garrett, Garrett Warren and I are good friends. Yeah, we just, I just had him on recently. He's a great guy. Yes. Yes, he's a machine and he's a badass. Uh, and yeah. we, we kind of grew up together in under Billy Blanks, uh, training martial arts under Billy Blanks. And uh, we worked out in his gym as well. Uh, oh, but, so, you're, so you are good friends with Garrett. Yeah, from back in the day, we, 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 were, we were in the same place. Now, we didn't hang out because he, he yeah. was there before I was, but I showed up, and he, he was getting trained hard under Billy, and then he went off to Hollywood to do his thing, and he's blown up as well. He's another one of the hands-down top stunt coordinators in Hollywood. And, uh, and I'm proud Alan. to call them both. Yep, yep. I, I'm proud to, to call them my friends. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, they brought me in to do performance capture as – Primarily, um, well, can I run back in time for a second to tell you? Please, what please, please do. To give you frame of reference. So yes. in Hawaii, uh, I was a kid. I was 16, and I had just gotten uh, the dance scholarship. And one one of the things that I won from one of the dance contests is, hey, you get to do these modeling courses with what was it called? Susan Page. It was a, it was a place called Susan Page. I'm okay. like, I don't even know what that means, but sure, okay. Well, they got me a job at the first BBs. It was the first BBs in the United States, I think. And the thing wow. started in Hawaii. Maybe it was the second or third. But, but it was, the owners were there, and they called me in to be a mannequin in the window. And they already had mannequins. Uh, they had uh, this tall blonde woman with short blonde hair, and they had a brunette woman, and they were standing still. And I looked up. and you, Now, if you've been listening to this entire thing, you know I can't stand still. I can't stand still for a minute. In fact, I'm walking back and forth right now. So I'm like, and they had bumping music inside the store. Now, BBs, unlike today, when there's a BBs in every mall, but unlike today, they, they only have women's clothes. Back then, they had men's and women's clothes. I'm like, uh, you want me to do that? They're like, yep. You know, get up there and just be a mannequin, and the tourists are going to see you in the window and maybe come in. I'm like, how do they even know that? They're like, um, hmm. That's a good question. Like, can I move? Like, you're a mannequin. I'm like, trust me. Can I move? And they're like, okay, let's see what you can do. So I got up there. They put me in their clothes. I grabbed some shades off of the rack, and I got up on top <laughs> of the shelf with them. 
It's about seven feet in the air, and I got between the two models, and I froze. And then I started right. to move like a robot. Occasionally, I'd rotate my head, rotate my wrist. I'd lean at an angle that you wouldn't think is possible unless you were just a mannequin. And people started right. gathering at the front window. And they're like, is that a machine or a person? You couldn't see my eyes because <laughs> so, I had a big – and they, about 40, 50, 60 – 80 people started gathering at the front window. And That's a lot. the BB store manager was like, what the hell is this? This is amazing. And they'd start to come in. What kind of robot is that? Where, where are the wires? And I would start to mimic the people on the outside. Well, I came back the next time. There was no other models. Uh, there was just me. <laughs> and they started hiring me and to be a robot in the window. And I got paid so well for a 16-year-old. I could not right. believe my luck. I'm like... And they gave me the clothes that I worked in because I would sweat twice. And right. that was my first time being a robot. Flash forward, L.A. My first job in L.A. is at the Hollywood Wax Museum. I am a robot on hmm. Hollywood Boulevard at ground level with some of the crazy people that actually live on Hollywood Boulevard. Right. Perhaps didn't shower daily. So they would walk <laughs> up to me trying to figure out if I was real and maybe four inches from my face. And I'm sitting there like I'm a robot. They cannot blink because they wouldn't let me wear shades, but your fumes are making me want to blink very badly. And the tourists would come up, and I got paid minimum wage. That sucked. But that's where I was, and it was cool. Flash forward 15 years, Garrett's like, hey, you can do – it was actually Nito said, hey, TJ can, can move like a robot. So Garrett's like, okay, we need a, a, a giant mech in this movie called Avatar. And right. I'm like, all right, let's work out the movement. And we worked out the movement. He told me exactly what they wanted. He kept tweaking it, tweaking it until he got what he wanted. And then that, that big mech that the general climbs into That's right. its chest and fights the hero at the end, that mech is me. And uh, Get out of here. The one with the big, big knife. Fight. Yeah, yeah, the one with the big knife. So I march in. I'm, I'm actually many of the mechs. Uh, they just doubled the movement, but yeah, right. that one as well. And we did the big fight. There was this huge stuntman. I can't remember his name right now. Uh, he's six seven. He had a giant uh, stuffed tiger, and he was hitting me with it, like the giant tiger creature that was fighting the mech at the end, and the hero was on its back. He was hitting me with this giant stuffed tiger to simulate the attacks. And this guy, oh, I can almost remember his name. It's Mark something he's a rigger anyway uh yeah he was so strong that i i was like dude you are hitting me so hard he's like yeah the cat is like 400 pounds and i'm like ah. but it was awesome it comes out beautifully and you can tell how hard i'm getting hit by watching the movie <laughs> right freaking awesome but yeah right. it was amazing it was an amazing experience to be under garrett and uh nito larios uh garrett warren and then uh we worked together again on godzilla 2014 Really? Mm-hmm. How was that? Called me in. That was a great movie. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, it was a great movie. Tell me, tell me about that experience. It was awesome, but I didn't know what it was when we were doing uh, Gareth's like, uh, Nito suggests that I call you. you want to get some, we want to get some advice on creature movement. And I'm like, okay. And I was already working on a ton of stuff. My schedule was really, really full. And right. I honestly thought they were like, come in and talk to the uh, people who are going to be doing this project about <laughs> how to move. Like you should know better than so, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but remember everything in Hollywood, super top secret. So I didn't right. know what they were talking about. I don't know what they're working on. 
you never do. We, we have code names for everything. We can't tell anybody what we're working on at any given right. time. So I'm right. like, yeah, uh, here's some names. Call these people. They're all good at animal movements. And if you need extra help, just let me know, and I'll come in, and I'll, I'll be happy to coach and help out. He's like, okay, cool. Three days later, they go, all right, that's it. Get in here. I'm like, and it was my day off. It was my one day off. I'm like, uh, okay, okay, I'll be there. So get there in the morning in an empty a large empty warehouse, which usually is, but this right. was in the valley. He's like, all right. And there were three of us standing there. He points to the first guy on my left. You're Muto number one. Points to the guy on my right. You're Muto number two. He points directly at me. You're Godzilla. I'm like, what? <laughs> and that was the beginning of that process. That was That's awesome. freaking awesome. That's awesome. And then flash man. forward again, and I get to do uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters, and we, we performance captured that as well. But it was amazing. That was a great movie, by the way. Both movies were really fantastic. Those, you know, I, I cannot skip a Godzilla film, I'll be honest with you. But, you know, since, since Godzilla 1985, you remember that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you, know, oh, I, I, you know, I couldn't wait to see America do Godzilla properly again. Yes, you know that ruined and, it. <laughs> that, yeah, I hate that movie. Yeah. I'm not gonna lie. And uh, can I tell you how excited I was to see it? Because do you remember the Taco Bell commercials and the trailers that came out before <laughs> that Godzilla? Yes, yes. It made it look so awesome. It they made awesome. it look fantastic. A, yeah, there was a fisherman fishing off at the end of a wharf, and he's just got a little pole, and he's just there, <laughs> his little dude. And yeah. then he notices something grabs his right. wheel and starts pulling. And he's like, I yeah. got something. I got something. He starts reeling it in, and a massive <laughs> wave starts to surge. And he's like, what's that? And the wave is getting bigger and bigger as it comes to him. And he starts to run, and the pier starts to explode behind them. And he's like, right. ah! And right. then it cuts, and it says, size matters. Godzilla. <laughs> Boom. And I'm like, oh, my God. This is going to be the best thing ever. It was yeah, I tell, tell you, I, I tell you something, TJ. You know, every single time I go up, uh, or, or like over the one, when I go through the uh, Santa Monica coast, whenever I go through the coast, I always yeah. imagine Godzilla coming out of the ocean. I don't know why mm-hmm. I do that, but some I yes. always imagine coming out of the ocean, and it always gives me that. You know, when you when you go too high on a swing feeling, like in your groin, yes. it always yes. gives me that feeling of like fear. Oh. <laughs> like yeah. whoa! But, but where are you gonna go? You where are you gonna run to? That's amazing though, because that's how you internalize what's out there, what's under the surface, yeah. and that right. I think that's how we as humans have dealt with things. That's right. We we can't say what we don't know, but we can put something there that we can understand. And for some right. of us, it's Godzilla, and that's awesome. <laughs> that's a great feeling. <laughs> a great feeling. You're absolutely- can I tell you the very first movie? my dad ever took me to see the very first movie I ever remember seeing. He took me to see it was Godzilla versus the smog monster. Very oh, first movie get out of here. That was a great movie. Yep. Hedora is the Japanese name. Hedora. And I, it was terrifying. The smog monster flies over people and they die and they leave a smoking skeletal husk. And yeah. I was like, Whoa. It yeah. was, that was the very first movie I ever saw. So to become Godzilla several decades later is not only a great honor, but that is a blessing. Because I've I've heard you say lucky a bunch of times, but I always think lucky is meeting a pretty girl at a party. 
you know, blessed yeah, is, yeah. is, you know, is your, is what you've gone through. So, you know, you're, yeah. you're an incredibly blessed human being. I, I am. I, I, I am happy that, man, I, I've been put in the position that I have and had the opportunities that I've had yeah. and been able to have the training to take advantage of those opportunities. Right. My parents right. made And the brain up. and the mindset and the inspiration, it seems, that your family's given you, like especially your mother. Yeah. You know, the, the, the amount of power they have behind you is incredible. That is, it's a, it's a momentum that you can't get from anywhere else. You know, you know, we don't have an incredible amount of time left. So let, let, let's, let's talk mm-hmm. about, let's talk about uh, Deadpool. Deadpool's mm-hmm. a br- brilliant film, loved it to death. It made yeah. a heck of a lot more money than anybody ever thought it did. Uh, mm-hmm. how, how did, how did it feel to like watch yourself on screen? Because when I saw you on screen, I, I was giddy as a child just to know this person. I was like, Oh, <laughs> and to see, and to, and to see Colossus done right, because I grew up with comic books. Yes. So yes. see, to see that, Colossus done right. right was incredible. You know, I got to say, thanks to the, the people who grew up, not only, I mean, studying film and getting to a place where you can be a director. That's right. One thing. That's right. One embracing that part of you, that kid that grew up on comic books, who grew up loving the genre that you will eventually right. direct. That's another thing. When I saw the right. John, John Favreau Iron Man, I, I was mm-hmm. like, whoever, whoever directed this, I didn't know who it was at the moment, right. whoever directed this, they know Iron Man. They know right. this genre. Because I remember seeing the Ang Lee Hulk, and I'm like, well, you're green. And that's right. something... <laughs> I wanted to like it because of Ang Lee, but yeah, but he didn't understand the genre. Yeah. Yeah. And there was the Avatar, the Airbender, the last Avatar. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. You can feel it, right? You can feel it. Yeah. It's visceral. Godzilla. Yeah. The 1985 Godzilla. Same thing. It's not the genre. Whoever did this didn't understand the genre. They understand that there's a, a creature in it. But then, but right. so when you get to Deadpool, who not only did the uh, is it Ryan Reynolds? Ryan Reynolds understand the character that needed to be on screen. He understood the genre. He probably grew up reading those comic books and really enjoyed it. He's also that person. That helps immensely. Then walk right. in Tim Miller, who not only understand he's a master of visual effects at a Blur. Master. He owns a studio yeah. called. Blur Studios. That's right. And yeah. uh, my my one of my best friends, Darren Ross, uh, works closely with him. And it was Darren who brought me in on the project. But uh, and that's a whole story unto itself. <laughs> but they they, um, they caught those they caught those special effects costs by by half. If it was oh, somebody yeah. else doing those special effects, it would have been Could twice as much. No, he he did it all by half the account because he knew animation, he knew stunt stuff. Yeah. You know, yes, he knew yes. what he was doing. What an incredible man. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so they got it all in that budget range. They, and, and because right. of that budget range, in fact, that you normally wouldn't have had to do, uh, right. which is sometimes a blessing. So right. they, they managed to, and that was the important thing. They managed to bring Deadpool to life in the right way and then bring Colossus. This was the first time that I've seen a Colossus that I was like, that's Colossus. And it wasn't because I was piloting yeah. him, uh, but, but 
you, he was big. He didn't. Why would you turn your skin off? Why would I ever have to see the person underneath? If right. it could be steel, that's awesome. And yeah. I remember right. the X-Men, and I, I yeah. don't want to talk crap about these movies, but I right. did not love some of the things about X-Men. I loved the fact that there was an X-Men, no. but no. Holly Berry coming out of an elevator and not being able to hold herself, you know, still on the wires. I was like, oh. And I, I don't know. think she loved the character or understood the character. I didn't. No. Those things bother no. me. That really yeah. bothers me. Or yeah. Sabretooth, he's so badass, but I don't know if they, they completely understood the fullness of that character. He's so beast. They had a great opportunity in every case. It got better the second time, but even then, I was like, eh. So their nope. version of Colossus was this skinny kid, and yeah. he kind of turned into this smooth metal, but he was the same size as everybody else. And I'm like, this re- this oh. reminded me of the this reminded me of the Colossus that was you know married or dating Kitty Pride that had the yeah. sister who was magic. This this yeah. reminded me of the, of the classic comic book Colossus. And it's a comic book movie, so yes, yes, hell yes, yes. and that's what I, yeah. that's what you get. That's yeah, yeah. How, how did it they feel to be part of something? No, they knocked it out of the park. Now, how did it feel to be part of something so 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 great and so grand? Especially since you're a you know you're a nerd just like I am, and you know these things, you know what's going mm-hmm. on, and you can feel it. It's visceral to you. How does it feel to be part of that and and, and know that you're part of history in a history that you wished happened since you were a kid? Yes. Uh, you know, I don't know how it is for other people, but there's several stages. I, I guess it's like the stages of dying. There's five stages there, right? Well, right. in Hollywood, there's stages of of doing, of acting. First, there's somebody talking about it. Hey, there's this project, and it could happen. Well, about 80% of those could die. So right. I'm like, great. Let me know when it does. So you forget about it. You let it go. Great. Second. Okay, uh, we're doing it. You're the one. I'm like, okay, let's do it. Now, you're doing it. Some things, like Avatar, The Last Airbender, sounds like a really cool thing, right? It's going to be awesome because the original is awesome. You don't know if it's going to be awesome, and you start getting used to the fact that this could be awesome or it could completely suck, one or the other. And so you don't hold your breath. You're just like, "Uh oh, Godzilla. Okay, that's really cool, but I've seen the last Godzilla, so this could end my career also. So let's not hold our breath. You do the job. You do as best as you can while you're there. And by the way, while you're there, you're not thinking about how cool this is. You can't. You have to do the job. You've got to be on point. You've got to be physically ready. You've got to be mentally ready. Your spirit's got to be ready to deal with whatever you've got to deal with that day. It doesn't matter if somebody in your family passed away or – Maybe you're not feeling great that day. You have got to do the job. Shut up. Right. Do the job. Focus. Lock it down. So there is nothing else. And then you forget about it. Quite honestly, you go on to the next job, whatever that is, and you got to let that go. You're not waiting for it to come out anymore. In most cases, if you're serious, you have to seriously put your energy into getting that next job. And right. you can't talk about the job that you just did because it's top secret. And then – all of a sudden, the trailer starts to come out. And you're like, okay, that looks pretty good. But you've <laughs> learned from experience that 
you can't get your hopes up because you know what? Right. Godzilla 1985 looked pretty good. And right. Yeah. We ain't going to talk about that. So, <laughs> so then finally the movie comes out and you're there and you're there with your friends and you're like, now my friends, Van, Yasset, Jeff Wolf, uh, Darren Ross, they're, they're all there. They got your back, whether it's good or it's bad. So right. we're all sitting there and we're like, all right, fellas, fingers crossed. The movie comes on and you're like, yes, yes, and you are finally <laughs> proud. At that moment, you can be like, I'm a part of this. This is, this is amazing. That's super cool. But, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, at first I got excited about everything. I got excited about the very first chance that I had to be an extra. Sure. But that's hard. But then you learn to just take everything in stride and do your best work because you're only one small, small part and everybody's got to do their part. If everybody does their part, it seems that things work out. So that kind of drives this whole COVID situation too. If everybody does right. their part, we can make it through together. And that's kind of the right. takeaway, I guess. Right. You know, it, it must feel great to be, you know, to feel that pride of, of seeing your work come to fruition and see it be so successful and see so many people enjoy it and have so much success from it. Um, that must feel really fantastic. You know, it, it is. It, it, it feels really, really good. And I'm part, I'm really, really proud to be part of some cinematic histories where this good work has gone on. Uh, and I get to share that. I, I have a, a school, a, a performance capture action acting school called the Mind's Eye Tribe Action Actors Academy. And we teach other people. We have to try to pass nice. that along. Because I went through several decades of not knowing what the next step was or what do I need to do to get here and or what skills do I need to get there. No, there was no internet. There was nobody to ask. There was no YouTube. So even now that there is, there's so many people giving so much information, but right. there are only a couple of successful paths that will generally give you the best odds of making it. So we teach people uh, all the skills they need to get to where you want to be in the business. And it is not right. an easy business. It is not for the faint of heart. So I, I came from karate, which says you fight until you die. If this right. is the thing that you want. So this is the thing that I wanted. And I didn't even know that I wanted it, except I loved to perform. Fortunately, I had the passion, and passion will get you a long way. Knowledge right. will, knowledge, and having good teachers and good people and a good team behind you will also help you get there. And that's what we try to provide at the Minds Eye Tribe Action Actors Academy. Well, TJ, you know, I would love to have you on again because, you know, it's just, it's just too much. You know, I want to talk to you again and, and talk about other things as well and your school sure. and some other things about your life. So, you know, we're, we're going to cut it down right now because we're hitting two hours right now. So, no so yeah. So, I, you know, if you don't mind, I, I would love to hit you up in the future and have a second interview do, with man. you. And, and I'd yeah, love to I talk really. to you some more. But, you know, be, let's talk about a couple of things before you go. Just a couple of things here. Mm -hmm. You know, it, mm -hmm. what, are you, what are you looking forward to? in your future, in your career? What are you looking forward to? Hmm. Doing more stuff that makes people happy. Doing more stuff that makes me happy. Watching more awesome movies, whether I worked on them or not, I want to watch right. more awesome movies. 
I want to see what the next leg of the Marvel Cinematic Universe looks like. I want to see what they plan to do to <laughs> Me make too, yeah. uh, the Mandalorian Season 2 awesome. I oh. want to just enjoy all the good stuff that's out there. There's so much right. incredible stuff. And I also want the world to get rid of racism. And I want to be a part of that if I can. If I can be an example in some way, I want to do that. Yeah. And if I can help other people get to or through something, then I want to do that as well. All these things are kind of stuff that I want to help with if I can. But yeah. I also want to enjoy stuff too. And I want this COVID thing to be over. I want everybody to be healthy and happy and making money. And I want universal health care for people. So that's right. <laughs> all of right. that stuff. That's kind <laughs> of on my plate. You know, I for it all, but that's what I want. I, I know a lot of people who know you, uh, and, and I'm not going to name any names, but I know a lot of people who know you pretty well. And uh, it sounds like a stupid question, for, but I, I want the audience to hear it. You know, what is it about you that people want to spend? Now, I know this, but what what is it about you that people want to spend 12, 14, 16, 18 hours a day with you? You've worked with legends, with legends. What what makes you what makes you that person that people want to spend that time with? I will tell you, uh, I'm not special. That there's nothing that makes you want to spend that time with me. But I have a mindset that I will get the job done. A, no matter what. B, no matter what circumstances, rain, shine, cold, uncomfortable, unpleasant muddy, super hot, super cold, and I won't complain, see, I will be prepared when I get there. So that's really it. I will do my job and I won't complain about it and make it the absolute best that I can using the massive amount of experience that I've been fortunate enough to gain. So I make the job easier and possible. That's all that I can think of. That's why you would hire me. Uh, you might like my attitude and my, my spirit. You might not. It's not for everybody. I mean, I'm kind of optimistic, and I have a warrior's mindset, and if your thing, that could freak you out. Uh, you might think, oh, this guy's fake, or nobody's this happy, or he's high. This dude's definitely high. Or, right. or oh, he's trying to play the badass. I'm definitely not trying to play the badass, but I'm trained to – to be a warrior and the warrior's mindset does not give up. It does not falter and it finds a way it will adapt and overcome. So that is what you're, you're in for. If you're hanging around me, then we'll get stuff done. And I hope that people vibe with that. And I found that that is oftentimes the mentality that you need to get a project done. And uh, I'm there for that. I've heard stories about you taking care of, fellow actors who were down in the dumps, who didn't feel right or weren't right at the moment. I heard you taking mm-hmm. care of them in a way that, you know, inspired them or motivated them. What, what is it about you that, that wants to do this? Um, well, okay. So my, my sense is they, as mean as they could seem to be, they were always about, making you better. That was their singular purpose, to make you better than you were, and then eventually to make you as good as them. 
as a teacher of martial arts, for instance, as a teacher of martial arts, it's my job to make it so that you can someday maybe beat me. That's that when somebody that's that's that, the old like, philosophy, by the way. That's the old yeah. way. Yes, that's that's the way I was yeah. trained as well. That's the old philosophy. You, yep. Yeah, they train you hard, and yep. So in the Japanese culture, it is a, not a kind training to make you that good that fast. It's going to hurt. It's going to be unpleasant. You're going to sweat and bleed, and your spirit will get bruised and banged up, but they will allow you to heal, and then they will make you stronger, and you, that which does not kill you will make you stronger. So right. I came to L.A. with that mentality, and I was very blunt, sort of the Japanese way, uh, the sensei way. And right. if it, uh, for instance, I, I was one, one of my jobs later was I got hired at a retail store to sell clothes. I needed to make money, so that's where I went. And it was on Melrose. And this guy came in and he grabbed this yellow shirt that was two sizes too small for his ass. And he puts <laughs> it on and, and he goes, what do you think? Cool, eh? And I'm like, you're too fat for that shirt. I wanted him to know <laughs> this was not doing him any favors. So right. in the most direct way I could, could, I said, this is not good for you. Try again. <laughs> <laughs> and and the manager is like, what? No, wait, wait. Um, that's beautiful. And he's like, and he took it off. I got fired that day from that job. Right, <laughs> that right. Was my first and last day at that <laughs> that place of business. But right, I learned that not everybody communicates in the same way. Did not know right. that in my right. early twenties. But but I had to learn. Look, not everybody hears the information, even if you're trying to help them. They don't right. always appreciate your help. So sometimes when people are having a bad time, and not everybody's like me, I get that. Uh, not everybody has got that kind of dauntless spirit. You're like, I failed, but I will try again. That, right. That's aliens, a, a huge portion of the population. They're like, I failed. I'm not good enough. I'm like, oh, no, that's not right. You're just maybe not right for this particular part. And the director, he sees something else, and that's not – your thing, but we can do better. Let's try this. Here, give me the lines. And that's what I'll do with an actor. I, if I get the chance, I'll be like, yeah, you know what? I think we can do better. I, I had to find a language that made sense to actors because actors, right. and this is what made me a bad actor. Uh, martial artists are trained to show no pain. They're trained to be somewhat invulnerable or appear to be invulnerable. invulnerable. Right. Uh, whereas actors, you must come in vulnerable. You have to be right. allowable. You, you have to be affected by things. I did not want to be affected by anything my first day in acting class. So it took me a while to understand that. And then when I understood that, I understood, oh, these people have trained their life to be vulnerable and everything you say to them really matters. It really can hurt their feelings. So they're just having a bad day. Let's find a way to help them along and help them to the next level. And that's what I want to do, right. especially with our students and and the people that we work with we want to help them to the next level to work to find a way and, and it's not always easy it's not always pleasant and some people they, they just don't make it they're, they're not made for that at that time uh, they may come back in a year five years ten years and find okay now I'm ready for this now I have the mindset for this but we all find our path and if I can help on that path I would love to 
TJ, we're out of, we're out of time. It, it was a pleasure, a sincere pleasure to have you on today. Uh, you're, you're a great man, and, and your advice was fantastic. Your stories were great. Uh, you know, I, I hope you liked being on the show. We, we, it was uh, our great. honor to have you on. Dude, thank you for, for sharing some of your history, man. I, it's, it's nice to talk to a fellow martial artist who understands the old ways. And yeah. uh, thank you for allowing me to share some of that with you. Uh, to know that you Absolutely. train Wudong and, and you still teach it. Oh, yeah. man, for 30 years, that's amazing. And yeah. uh, you're also in the business as a writer, as a stunt uh, coordinator. You do all the stuff that needs to be done to make a great movie happen. And it is yes. not an easy job. So thank you for that. And thank you for having me on. Thank you, my friend. I can't, I can't wait. You know, I can't wait to see you. Uh, you know, hopefully one day we can play D&D together. I mean, that may sound dorky, yeah, but I, I would love no, to play no D&D doubt. with you. That would be a really, really fun. Hell yeah. We'll make it happen one day. That would be freaking awesome, dude. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. We're going we're, we're gonna to give you a Thank clap you, out, but, but, you know, it was our honor to have you on. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, brother. And thank you for having this and for sharing this with people who probably absolutely need to hear it because it's all information yeah. and it only makes us stronger. You're, you're a great guest, I, you know, and, and God bless your mother because she was a, a great woman and uh, she really raised a great son. Thank you. Thank you. She's the, she, she was absolutely amazing. She's the best. We're going to clap you out, my friend. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Good night, brother. Good night. <laughs> I'll see you soon, my friend. Yeah. Take care, brother. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Bye-bye. Bye. You know, TJ Storm, that was a hell of a lot of fun to have him on the show, talk about the old ways. You know, it's interesting when you talk to somebody about martial arts that that is um going through the old path the same way you did you feel like you're talking to a brother in arms somebody who's gone through the same path the same existence the same hardships the same bruises the same blood willing you know it's 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 really nice um you wouldn't think so i mean you wouldn't think that it'd be good to have actually have a a, a remembrance of some of the hardest moments of your existence and you know being beaten up and, 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 you know, being taught in ways that you, you can't understand and going through experiences that were so harsh, but no, it's, 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 it's really, it's really fantastic to have somebody that, that can share those experiences with you. And, and, uh, TJ Storm was one of those people. We were blessed to have him on TJ. Thank you so much for being on our show today. Uh, we were truly, truly blessed to have you on uh, from his home in Indiana to going to Hawaii and learning about uh, how life works. We talked about racism in the world. We talked about D&D. We talked about so many things. It's, it's impossible to compile it. You need to listen to this entire interview. He has a lot to say. He's a lot to work with. He's worked with some of the greatest legends that we can speak of. At least legends in my mind and legends in my generation. 
Thank you to Garrett and Noel Vega for giving them opportunities that, that have brought his career to the future. And Jeff Wolf, who's a good friend of the show as well, one of his best friends. Thank you so much, TJ. Thank you so much for sharing your experiences going through insecurity, training martial arts, dance. But that's the most important thing, I got to tell you, is you sharing those insecurities with us. Because people will look at you and go, this guy's six foot four and so strong, and look at him now. But you have a past. You do have those weaknesses, and that's what, that's what makes you so special. Is that you, you grew out of those things, but it took patience, and it took training, and it took time, and it took your willingness. It took your ability and your desire to get out of those things. And that teaches everybody else that they themselves can get out of those things. They themselves can teach themselves. They themselves can grow out of those situations because you did. It wasn't magic. It wasn't something you drank or something you ate. It was something you did. You trained hard to be the person you are today. And it's not luck. It's not luck. It's a blessing. You've been blessed. Because luck is meeting a pretty girl at a party. Blessed is... Not dying when you actually want it. Thank you so much for joining our show, TJ Storm. We greatly appreciate it. It was a blessing. And to all of you listening today, I hope you learned something. I hope you learned to grow. Grow from your experiences. As I've been telling you, be a better person. TJ was expressing that very thing. Be a better person. What is the point of going through this pandemic if you're not going to be a per- better person? What is the point of us being separated from each other if we're not going to appreciate each other more? What is the point of us being What is the point of us being sent to our room if we're not going to want to share our new knowledge with the people that we love? This was a great show, and I'm blessed to be part of it. Thank you, all of you, for listening. I love you all. I appreciate this platform. My name is Steve Pisa. This has been Cinema Files Radio. I appreciate you all. Take care of yourself. Love yourself. And please, be well.